0: Innocent until proven guilty, it's the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. A real live Medicare podcast by Cracky. Speaking of quitters, he quit smoking in 2015. Medicare expert Doug Jones. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. It's another exciting episode of the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. Thank you for joining us, ladies and gentlemen. As you heard uh, Drew McMillan, my Canadian nephew, say, well, actually, I don't know what he said. I'd like to think it was something uh, positive. So let's assume that, shall we? I am here to help you feel good about Medicare. Medicare may be looming in your future, and you may be concerned about it. You may be trepidatious. You may not know what to do, how to approach it. You may worry about falling into the clutches of evildoers. And believe me, you've seen plenty of them advertised on television. A lot of washed-up celebrities are getting into the the uh, Medicare Advantage advertising uh, spectrum. And so those are the first people to avoid. But what I would suggest you do is purchase a, an armor clad device known as medicare for the lazy man 2023 and you can go to amazon.com or barnesandnoble.com put medicare for the lazy man 2023 in the search window and then you will acquire this armor clad device that will protect you from all evil doers in the medicare world it is available in paperback It's available in hardcover. It's available in Kindle version. That would be the least expensive at about $3.80. All of these uh, items can be purchased and uh, can be yours in very short order. And after a fairly short time of, uh, consuming them you will have all the defenses you need against the medicare evildoers and you'll feel confident you'll know what you want to do you'll know what you don't want to do and if you have any questions at all the author is always available to uh, offer advice free of charge i might add the author never charges for his professional advice or recommendations so why don't you go out and get that book today Oh, boy, I'm using my cough button way too much today. I was going to apologize to Randy. He's going to have maybe a little bit of editing to do. I ate a whole bunch of very salty olives before uh, opening the mic, and that is playing havoc with my throat. So I may have Randy do most of the uh, podcasting today. We'll see how my voice holds up. Randy, would you be able to step in if I'm unable to perform my responsibilities? Oh, absolutely. And like Miss America.
1: Yeah. Should you no longer be able to fulfill your responsibilities as Miss America, we have this secondary Miss America.
0: By the way, did I ever tell you that my mother was Miss Oklahoma?
1: You did tell me that. That is so cool. That is so cool.
0: Well, maybe the people listening didn't know that, but the whole story is it's less cool than one might think because although she was a magnificently beautiful woman in her youth, um, she was actually not Miss Oklahoma in real life. She was mistaken for Miss Oklahoma, and when a bunch of photographers and reporters started to interview her, uh, this was on a uh, train platform in uh, New Jersey where they have the pageant. The Miss America pageant. That was uh, 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 where the boardwalk uh, is. Uh, 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 yeah. A gambling town. <laughs> yeah. Where do, they, where do they do all their gambling in, on the East oh, Coast? Oh,
1: where uh, we're in the world?
0: Atlantic, Atlantic City. C-
1: Atlantic City.
0: There you go. Great minds uh, almost work like Siamese twins there. We both came up with it at the same time. So, yes, yeah, she was stepping off a train to go to a John Hancock convention with my father in Atlantic City. And uh, report. Uh, the train was full of Miss America candidates uh, heading to the Miss America pageant, which was going to be held at the same time. And so they made friends with a few of the candidates that were on the train. Miss Minnesota is the one I was told about most often. A uh, very nice girl away from home for the first time, headed for Atlantic City to be in the Miss Miss America pageant. And so when uh, the train pulled into the Atlantic City station, the platform was full of reporters and uh photographers and uh, they tried to spot all the candidates as they got off the train and uh, interview them and take pictures of them as they arrived in Atlantic City and so of course my mother my father stepped off the train or my father I guess was behind my mother she was uh, about to step off the uh, steps of uh, the uh, train car that she was in and um, all of these reporters and And uh, photographers ran up and started taking pictures of her. And somebody asked, where are you from, honey? And she said, Oklahoma. And then she went on and just played with the interviewers for quite some time, uh, telling all of her personal details that they might have asked about until somebody noticed the big giant rock on her finger. (laughs) And uh, or a bunch of I guess it was a bunch of rocks.
1: (laughs) I, I forgot to mention I brought my husband with me.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, they didn't <laughs> notice the uh, the mildly irritated man standing behind her. Hey, come on, let's go. And uh, Bye, so, I'm,
1: I'm tired. I'm tired of this crap. Let's go, honey.
0: That was her end. Uh, the end of her Miss Oklahoma career. You know, she could have parlayed that into something more worthwhile. But um, frankly, she just uh, had. She already had me. So I'm thinking that this was. Uh, in the early 50s, she might have even had my sister at that time. Who knows? I don't know when so it that, was.
1: That probably would have thrown him for a loop. Oh, I didn't know that Miss Miss Oklahoma or the future Miss America was married and had children.
0: Yeah, that's certainly not the, uh, the kind of prospect they were looking for in the Miss America pageant. But no. Anyway, so um, that was uh, an exciting. My mother was a drama major in college at uh, the university of Oklahoma. And she was a drama queen for much of her life. So that's, it was the perfect uh, major for her to select. So anyway, I haven't even asked how life is on your side of the screen. How are things over there?
1: Well, they, they everything is still marching forward. I'm having a bit of a uh, scheduling problems today as, as we noticed earlier, but I think I've got it all under control, but I did have, I did take time. To look up something because we haven't played stump the insurance guy ooh, lately. Oh boy!
0: Oh, I'm due for another stumping, huh? Now, should we? Well, should think... we? Should we do that at the uh, at the outset of the episode, or should we uh, save it for the end of the episode? I don't know. It depends.
1: It's well, up I'm, to you.
0: I'm thinking the audience likes to see me get stumped, and frankly, think... I'd rather have them hang around. Not like it's not like we have any advertisers that want to get their message out. Well, it's,
1: Let's let's hang on till the end then because you know you folks listening, I I always uh think I've got one that Doug will never, 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 ever land on. But those of you who are longtime loyal listeners will remember that he gets pretty damn close a lot of times. So yeah.
0: lucky anyway, well,
1: I've got one for him today that is going to depend on his knowledge. Of the auto industry, and he oh. is an auto dude, so let's see yeah. how he does at the end of the episode.
0: Okay, that's something to look forward to. You've got two checklists, one for episode 444 and one for episode 445. If you Yes, would, I do. If you would, take those checklists into your freshly licked fingers and um, yes. pick out your favorite or uh, most interesting-looking uh, item there. And I will let you be the you know driver of our content today, if you like. On either one? Either one.
1: Well, then I want to hear, I want to hear about, let's see, let me go down through the list and make a very well-considered choice. Cancer vaccine hunt, did it finally pay off?
0: Okay, let's see where that article is right here in my pile of important stuff. And, uh, gee, you'd think I'd put everything in the order that it would be listed on the checklist, huh? Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you think that? No. All right. So I'm going to take this clip off of this other pile. I am sorry, ladies and gentlemen. Hearing me shuffle through a bunch of paper is really not what you came to listen to. Doug has
1: access to so much information that, I mean, you can't see behind him in the studio. But literally, he's got, you know, great big Rolodexes and rotary files. And he's got people running on roller skates back and forth pulling files.
0: I may be a hoarder. I may be a hoarder. (laughs)
1: hoarder. (laughs) You may be a hoarder if.
0: (laughs) All right, Randy, here you go. Here's uh, Here's your big payoff. This is an opinion piece. It has the word opinion at the head of the headline. But the rest of the headline is drug companies cancer vaccine hunt. Is making progress finally. And it goes on to say this development could serve as a catalyst to turn lethal disease into chronic, stable disease. Well, you know, chronic doesn't sound that good, but I suppose it means it's not going to kill you if they're successful in their search. So let me read some of this article. And you, if I hear you snoring, I'm going to bail out and uh, I'll ask you to pick something else. The long-awaited cancer vaccine revolution is getting a little closer to reality. New data from Moderna, as you might remember, they uh, are a major player in the COVID vaccine game. Uh, So Moderna and Merck and company suggest that after decades of failures, researchers are finally figuring out the right way to design a vaccine that can teach immune cells how to recognize and combat tumors. In December of 2022, the company said that when you u- when used in concert with Merck's cancer immunotherapy uh, named Keytruda, Moderna's mRNA cancer vaccine reduces the risk of certain skin cancers uh, from returning or patient deaths by 44% compared with Keytruda alone. That number justly generated a lot of excitement for the first time an MRNA-based cancer vaccine has proven itself in a randomized study and with an unambiguously positive outcome. If that result holds up in larger trials, it would be a huge advance for both the MRNA technology behind COVID vaccines, and for the field of cancer vaccines in general. But there are a lot of steps between achieving early positive data for the subset of melanoma patients and developing a widely accessible, cost-effective treatment. Among the more daunting challenges, the vaccine needs to be tailored to the genetic makeup of an individual patient's tumors. The study was small, enrolling just 157 people at high risk of late stage skin cancer returning still even if the results are slightly less dramatic in a bigger study the vaccine could make a difference for patients that would be a substantial change translating into long-term remissions Uh, says some woman who's the director of the George Washington University Cancer Center. Uh, She led an earlier study of Moderna's cancer vaccine. The study enrolled melanoma patients who had undergone surgery to remove any signs of their cancer. Unlike vaccines, the public is used to taking mass-produced shots that aim to prevent people from catching a contagious disease like the flu or polio, Moderna's cancer vaccine instead is intended to keep the disease from returning. It does that by uh, training immune cells to recognize as dangerous proteins they find on a patient's own tumor cells. The hope was that the vaccine would amplify the already substantial benefit of Keytruda which blocks a method that cancer uses or cancer cells use to hide from the immune immune system. Okay, Keytruda is the uh, Merck I think product and it it uses it, it blocks a method that cancer cells would otherwise use to hide from the immune system. Amazingly the combination worked Okay, well, that's probably enough detail for that. Hope springs eternal for um for melanoma patients, huh? I spend a lot of yeah. time in the sun i don't I don't ever want to get melanoma, but if I do, it's nice to know they're working on a on a uh, fix for it. Well, can I pick
1: another one now? Please do. I want to go to plan F victim.
0: oh boy this this person, as it turns out, is a uh. A well-known, at least to uh, to Randy and I, local celebrity. So I'm not going to use any names. I'm not even going to use any sex uh, to uh, identify this person. But here's here's what we have. We have a person who purchased Plan F. When back in the olden days, and this is, I'm talking mm, seventeen years ago, before there was an alternative, and before Plan F was barred to youngsters that um, signing up, nobody under the age of about seventy can enroll in Plan F nowadays. And um it is being filled up with people who are older and more prone to expensive illnesses. So the rates are going up quickly. They're going sky high. The insurance companies are anticipating bigger and more frequent claims from their Plan F members. Now, the cost of being on a Plan F might have been very reasonable in the olden days. Plan F of Medicare Supplement – is 100% coverage. It is the richest possible coverage it's possible to have in Medicare. Um, There is no richer coverage available, and the only thing even close to it now is what uh, has become the most popular plan since this law was passed and enacted, and that is Plan G, which is uh, fairly reasonably priced. Plan F rates are going sky high. So this particular person, 82 years old, and uh, has plan F, has had it ever since uh, this person was 65, and I was uh, called in to advise as to whether there was a good alternative or not, and I ran some numbers based on this person's uh, demographics, and I found out that the plan F that cost $351.68 per month was could be changed to a plan G and the best rate I found for that was $167. So right off the bat, that person going to a plan G could save $200 a month, or let's call it uh, $2,400 a year. Now, the only difference between plan F and plan G is that plan G has an annual $226 deductible. So let me see now. Right now, the Plan F person, the member of the Plan F, does not have to write any checks for treatment at all because it's 100% coverage. Going to Plan G saves them $2,400 a year, but they'll have to pay a $226 deductible before their uh, uh, medical expenses are paid at 100%. So let me see. I save a year, but I have might have to write a check for $226. And that's if I ever have any medical expenses this year. Um, That's a, (laughs) that's a pretty nice choice to have. I think uh, there's no doubt that this person would be better off buying the plan G saving $200 a month. And, you know, they save uh, $2,400 a year but they might accidentally have to pay that $226 deductible if they have any medical treatment at all. But wait a minute, there's more. There is also a plan that I really love, and Randy has helped me by naming it the best name I know of. It's called the High Value or High Deductible Plan. Now, that has a larger deductible but it still puts that person who's paying $351 a month into the catbird seat because the high deductible plan G costs $61 a month. The, uh, the person with the plan F paying 351, they write a check every month for that $61 uh, premium and put the other $290 into their sock drawer or under their mattress and At the end of the year, they will have a giant pile of money that fully exceeds the high deductible plan G deductible. That deductible this year is $2,700. So by by purchasing the very cheapest plan available for $61, uh, they save uh, a huge amount of money. And if the worst case scenario were to happen, in this person's instance, if the worst case scenario happened, she had she if she or he had a whole bunch of medical expenses uh, and hit that deductible of 2700, then the plan starts paying 100% after that. They're still money ahead because they will have um, saved something on the order of 750 dollars uh, rather than having that expensive, Plan F. So the message is, if you've got Plan F, and if you're relatively healthy, if you can answer a series of health questions that refer to, you know, dread diseases that you might have had in the last couple of years, and uh, things like that, uh, you should get off Plan F pronto, because the rates are going nowhere but up. And you should uh, take advantage of an opportunity while you still have the option. Because if you lose health Um, status. If you uh, are diagnosed with the need for some treatment like a knee replacement or uh, like Roy's shoulder replacement or uh, my other friend's uh, triple bypass, that stuff can creep up on you. And and, uh, if you are diagnosed and uh, as being one that needs treatment for that, then your options are taken away from you and you have to stick with the way too expensive plan that you've already got. So I would say if you have plan F and you would like to explore the option of saving a ton of money, then uh, please get in touch with me. You can use the address that we use on this podcast which is MLM no DbJ. It's Dbj at mlmmailbag.com. So that's the story on plan F get out while you can is the theme of the plan F.
1: Well, you know, you're not going to believe this, Doug, but Uh we have already, we've already burned up our time.
0: (laughs) Well, there's always time for you to stump me. So let's go into that.
1: Well, I, yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to shore up the episode here because I want to stump Doug. I've been waiting all evening for this all morning and I've got my guns drawn and I'm going to stump the insurance expert because he's an auto guy. So he's got a better chance of answering this and other questions, but I'm still thinking there's a chance that Randy might win.
0: Well, bring it on, bring it on. We'll see.
1: Okay, here we go. Are you ready? I'm ready. What happened on this day on two in 2008, as related to the car industry.
0: Oh boy, was that the day Pontiac Motor Division closed its doors? Nope. Oh, is it a sad event or a an achievement that one would be proud of? I yeah. okay. I don't
1: thi- I don't think it really I, you'll you'll know why I say <laughs> this, but I don't think it qualifies for either one.
0: <laughs> okay, well, so much for asking for hints. Uh, oh boy, 2008. Um it's uh oh boy. Randy, you got me stumped this time. There's so many I'll give, possibilities. I'll give, you, I'll,
1: give a, I'll give you a hint Okay. It's five feet wide and ten feet long.
0: Oh, would that be the C eight Corvette? No, no, that would be the C7 Corvette coming out, the Z06. Uh, uh no. no,
1: no, I'm gonna have to tell you. All
0: right. Well, here's the problem. Uh my extensive knowledge about automobilia is mostly it's mostly centered in the last millennia. and uh, okay. the, the newer the vehicles, the less I know about them.
1: well, there you probably won't even have heard about this, but since it's a car, I thought I'd bring it up okay january January tenth, two thousand and eight, on this day in the New Delhi auto Group in India,
0: Oh, no. I was going to say that's not New Delhi connecticut i guess huh
1: no tata motors oh yeah okay introduced the world's cheapest car
0: yeah i remember hearing about this it's like a it was it a three-wheeler
1: i don't remember about it doesn't say anything about three wheels but it did it does give some stats about it but the thing i would like you to guess is at the time it was released what was the price tag anticipated to be
0: I think it was gonna be uh something on the order of ten grand, as I recall.
1: Wow. If you pay ten grand for this thing, you <laughs> were not you you,
0: you you've been taken, you've been taken for a ride, huh?
1: You've been taken for a ride, and probably not too far. It was originally supposed to sell, uh-huh, not including taxes, for two thousand dollars.
0: Oh, geez. That's just like the Volkswagens, they were a dollar a pound.
1: Yeah. So and here's all the things that it didn't come with. Okay, didn't come with a radio.
0: Uh huh. All right.
1: Didn't come with air conditioning. Okay. Didn't come with airbags.
0: Ooh. Well, that's all right.
1: Didn't, didn't come with power steering.
0: Uh huh.
1: Didn't have any. Didn't have any power windows. Okay. It so far, no body, surprises. <laughs> it had a body made of plastic and sheet metal.
0: Okay, plastic engine. And a,
1: and a humongous 32 horsepower motor cranked out by a 624cc two cylinder rear mounted engine. And it could, with a steep, st- steep hill and a big tailwind, uh-huh. make 65 miles an hour. But here's the one thing they really had to cut down on it only had one windshield wiper.
0: Oh. Okay, well, you know they, they. I don't know how much one wiper uh, costs. I mean, they have two wipers, obviously, would double the cost. So uh, that was probably a smart decision.
1: That's so uh, your passenger wouldn't have to scream for bloody murder because they couldn't see anything.
0: I I got to tell you, well, in India, who wants to look at anything anyway? Come on. <laughs> I got to tell you though, this brings up uh, an opinion that i've held for quite some time starting in 1967 the federal government i think the national highway transportation safety association or whatever it is um nhts anyway it's a government agency that has uh, uh in 1967 demanded that automakers install a few little odds and ends to make cars a little safer. One of those was um, the uh, uh, turn signal that was uh, either intermittent, or if you clicked it down, it would stay on until you made the turn that would pop back, but you could hold it down for a lane change. And then another thing was they got ready to order cars to have side marker lights the following year. Now those two things were accepted by uh most people, in fact, I think a year or two before that, they demanded that all cars have factory installed seat belts. Prior to that, a lot of cars didn't have factory installed seat belts because the automakers thought that that would send the message that the car was dangerous. And so why would we put seatbelts in a car that's so safe? So uh, the government forced them to put seatbelts in the cars. And then in 1973, that same stupid government agency made an ignition interlock so that if you didn't have a seatbelt buckled, the car wouldn't start. There was a popular uprising and people said that was incredibly overreaching of the federal government. And they backed off the next year. I think 1974 was when that interlock went away ever since then, these people have been feeling all full of themselves and they have driven up the price of cars. Like you wouldn't believe. I think if somebody were allowed to build a car, like this piece of garbage you're describing, I believe they would be making cars hand over fist, until there is no tomorrow because God knows people would be looking for a two thousand dollar car to get around in to commute in, to uh, go to school in, uh, you know to go shopping in. Uh, a two thousand dollar car would uh, they couldn't they couldn't satisfy the demand. but no, our government won't let them do it because they're a bunch of Nazis or dictators. Maybe that's a better term. I I, t-
1: I totally agree with you. The, I've said this a couple times to you, and I don't know whether I've ever said it on the podcast. But if I had my if I had my dream car back, uh, yep. You know what? You know what I would want. I would want my 1970 VW back.
0: Well, there you go. I wouldn't because up north, it's um, those things were bad when it came to keeping the driver and passengers warm.
1: Oh, oh, yeah. Well, I had an added attraction.
0: You had a gas heater?
1: I had a gas heater, and literally, you could fry eggs on your forehead with that thing going.
0: You're lucky you didn't melt the car. I heard about a bunch <laughs> of those things that malfunctioned. Well, it only had one
1: speed, well, wide yeah. open. <laughs> you know, so you had to turn it on. Get to where you weren't cold anymore, and then turn it off. Otherwise, you were going to start sweating.
0: Well, the American public is a bunch of sheeple. Uh, you can't get them into a car without them feeling for the uh, seat belt. Oh my God! If I don't have my seatbelt on, I'm probably going to die on my way to the store. But in reality, the seatbelt laws and the uh, the very common um, bucket seats in the front of the car were all a function of the Congress middling with the free market by forcing car manufacturers to put in airbags. And the car manufacturers said, if we have to put three airbags in the front, we're going to screw up the dashboard and we're going to cost a lot. It's going to cost a lot more money. And so uh, Liddy Dole uh, was uh, secretary of transportation and she negotiated a uh, compromise whereby the auto manufacturers were allowed to put only two airbags in the front of their cars and uh, they would have a console that nobody could sit on and be so uncomfortable that nobody would want to sit on it. And it would be, um, It would be uh, uh, unnecessary to put more than two airbags in the front. And then also she said, well, if a certain number of states pass seatbelt laws, then we'll uh, we'll also consider that as part of the compromise. So that's all crap. As far as I'm concerned, I ignore the seatbelt laws whenever I feel like it. And um, frankly, I do like uh, having buckets in the front of any car that I drive. But, uh, you know, give me back the cars that were less expensive uh, back in the olden days. And uh, or freedom of freedom of choice by the uh, right. purchaser, for Christ's sake. I mean, right, you could walk into a um a dealership and you could say, "Yeah, I'll take this one and load it up with safety equipment or you know, keep it stripped down and I want to save money. It should be the choice of the driver, not the yeah. federal government.
1: Yeah. Well, I've got one short. we've we're pretty well out of gas and out of time, but I do have one quick story to tell you about airbags.
0: Okay, do that.
1: I have had experience with airbags, my own little self. Oh, really? Yeah. And I didn't know it until I had my own little experience with airbags. But do you know that when the airbag goes off and you your body goes forward into the airbag, including your face, your face and anything else that happens to be exposed is burned,
0: yeah, now, two questions. First of all, did this take place near Indio, California? It did. Okay. Secondly, was the burn a result of that powder that they packed the airbags in?
1: Yeah, 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 okay. it's it's, it's the result of the powder burning to blow the airbag out. Yeah. and it's it's just like you have a let's say that you've been out by the pool drinking beer for about uh i don't know four hours and you've got your face really burned
0: uh-huh that's, uh-huh.
1: that's what it, that's pretty much what it's like
0: well now we know that you're probably going to have a reduced chance of getting melanoma so uh
1: <laughs> yeah yeah
0: hearkening especially back from to the... air
1: especially air from airbags
0: yeah there you go <laughs> there you go why don't you take us home randy All right.
1: Well, we got to sign off and we've got to bring in the plane and we've got to land the uh, locomotive at the station here because we're out of time. And we only put three quarters in the meter today. So Mm -hmm. you have got a couple things I need to ask you. to. We've already talked about the books and the audios and all that good stuff, I think. But if you could find a way to give us five star rating or anything like that, close to five stars, we'd be happy with because that helps us out in the podcast ratings. And we certainly would appreciate that. Just as much as we appreciate you joining us, we didn't have to shush anybody. We didn't have to kick anybody out. We didn't have to do anything. So thank you. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. You have just spent about 32 and a half minutes with Doug Jones, the anti-insurance insurance guy from Oklahoma. No more. He's up in the high altitudes. I think he's really up about 16,000 feet today oh, in boy. the mountains a, behind behind Cave
0: Creek. I need a and mask. He, he's,
1: he's panting right now because anything <laughs> above 10, you're going to die eventually. So anyway, here he is, Doug Jones, coming down from his fortress
0: of solitude. Thanks for joining us, ladies and gentlemen.